This is the Learning Curve Podcast, and I'm Pastor Scott Rambo. Welcome to the classroom. Let's dive into the Word of God and see what He has to say to us today. Good morning, everyone. This morning we're going to continue to study in Matthew 1. We're going to go 1 through 4, and then we're going to slow down when we start on the Sermon on the Mount in chapter 5. So this morning we're going to go through... 18 through 25, which that's another big jump. Not as good as the 17 verses that we finished last week, but uh, it's going quicker than it did when we did a went through Ephesians. So this morning we're going to focus in on the the birth, the conception and birth of our Savior. Look at some of the things that are important about that. Of course, there's prophecy fulfilled. There's several things, but um, I guess the big thing is the difference between studying the Word of God and reading the Word of God is they're they're totally different. That's why the, the Bible actually says study to show yourself approved a workman who rightly divides the word. It doesn't say read it. It says study it. Because when you study things, you realize things that you never did before. Things that I didn't realize in studying this. And here's the thing. A lot of those things, they're not matters of heaven or hell. They're not eternal things. But it's really neat to see it the way it is. It gives you a deeper understanding of, the, here's the thing, not just the deeper understanding of the word, but the true mind of God. I mean, even the smallest things that we're learning as we learn through here, this is written word. This is written by the Spirit of God. This is Christ. This is our God speaking to us through His Spirit. So anything, here's the cool part, anything that you learn from reading and studying the Word, you have more insight into who God is than you did before. Most people don't look at it like that. It's just like studying for a career in college or in school or whatever. Every day that I go to work myself or every day that I study to teach systems of equations, I learn something new every day. I've done them for years, but I learn new techniques, new ways. I watch other students do a problem and get an answer, and I'm like, how in the world did you do that? That goes back with this is like interpretation. There is only one truth. When you're solving the systems of equations, X equals something and Y equals something. The same goes for the Bible. There's only one truth, but the way we get to that truth is very different because we all see things different. We understand things in a different way, right? This is, it's not cookie cutter is what I'm trying to get at. I mean, there are certain things that are. I'm sure there are certain techniques that you have to when you fix a Black Hawk or a water line. There's things in our lives that we know. There's a certain way you have to do this and you have to do it every time, but there's other things that... It's not that set in stone. Well, that's kind of how this is. It says to seek out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That's not going to look the same for every person. It's really not. That's why it says your own. It didn't say seek out the way that Christ did or seek out the way that Paul did or seek out the way that Brother Matt did. It says seek out your own. This is our journey, and we're in it, and we're on it. Yes. 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 But a lot of it is you take things in. That's one of the other things. That's what I learned about this. You take things in that you hear, but then when you read it, the, the two come together and you click and go, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay, I heard that, but I never truly understood that. And if you think about what Jesus says in several... Several places he says they hear, but they don't hear. They have an ear to hear. In other words, I hear everything that my wife says to me. I hear the sound of it, 
But a lot of times, I cannot tell you what she said. It's the same with the Word of God. It's the and same with when... See, and that no, but it's true, and she's right. That's that's the whole point of this. Is you sit through what what you had just said, you sit through sermons, uh, teachings, whatever, and sometimes you're not paying attention and you miss things. It's still in you. You've still been put in. It's still the spirit can draw it out. It's in there, right? Because you heard it. It goes both ways. But yes, people. some people are visual learners. Some people learn by hearing. Some people learn by reading. I learn best by writing things out. I write everything down. I need to write it down. I can read it and I can see it, but I need to write it. Once I've written it, it's just like it clicks. It, it's, in, it's in me. So, I learn better by reading, but what helped me is the visual, like watching The Chosen. Yes. Yeah. That just, I don't know, it just helps you remember, I think. Well, how many senses do we have? And God gave us all those senses, and we that's how we interact with our world. We interact with our world with, with all the senses we have, with the same in the spirit. It says what happens in the physical happens in the spiritual. It, it When you can look at something like you're saying, Denise, I, I feel the same way. Like I can look at it, and I can tie that individual to yeah. that. It, it's just different. It really I mean, is. You've heard everything that they're doing, but it just, oh, I think it would be awesome if we watch that Sunday night. That'll be cool. That would be cool because it just. You look at the way that we can, the way that we conduct service. Also, there's there's nothing. I want to be careful how you say it. We we don't necessarily have to read the scripture mm-hmm. before we preach. Yeah. Right, because we we read it as we preach it, but we read it first, and then we expound upon mm-hmm. it. You should be reading it also. Mm-hmm. We say it time and time again, and the Bible's explicit. Don't just because we read. Whatever we preach this morning, go home and read it again. If we've read it once, mm-hmm. then somebody has expounded upon it. Then you go home and reflect on everything that you heard, everything that you've seen, and then you read it again, and, and God reveals himself to you. Yeah. So study it. You know? I mean, like everything that I've read and then watched, which is chosen, like I, rem- I can yeah. I remember it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's just so I can I remember Well, I've it. never been... There's people who can like read a book, mm-hmm. and they'd rather a book than a oh, movie. Yeah, I'd rather a movie. But I'm like, a visual. I'm yeah. a visual person. You know, throw one out there. People told me to read The Hobbit all through mm-hmm. high school and all that stuff. I was like, no, that's dumb. I'm mm-hmm. not going to read that. Then The Hobbit came out. And I watched it. Like, yeah, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. You know, but I'm not going to pick up the yeah. the book and read, read it because I'm not that way. I like to read, but I like to watch. Yeah, it really is a. That's that's one of those things that's like dying to self and whatnot mm-hmm. to to spend time in the word even, even for me because mm-hmm. it's not what I want to do that I mean I want to do it my desire is to know God but I would rather Him reveal Himself to me you know like ex- well, through experience or something like it's that so easy but now I know it's got to be this way that when you so. get in your vehicle you just listen to someone else yeah instead of study instead yeah. of you yeah doing it yourself yeah. right yeah you yeah. go about what Scott Rambo's podcast said instead of well, and that's it, and that's why the Bible it says seek out your seek out your own salvation. Mm-hmm. At some point, you got to turn everything off and be with God. Yeah, you know, there's nothing wrong with the extra, <coughs> the extra biblical, extracurricular stuff, but at some point, it's got to be you and God and work. Yep, exactly. Last week we talked about the genealogy of Jesus, and we traced it from from the beginning uh, up until his father. You know, we, when we ended, we ended with Joseph, and uh, then Jesus was born. 
We know he was born to Mary, and Joseph was not his Joseph was not his father, father, because the seed was not from a man, but he was still his father. Because here's the thing is, who chose him to be his father? God did, and we're going to see that in this study. There's so many things that come out. Um, if you would, bow your heads. Father, we thank you for this time together. Lord, thank you for the conversation that we've already had. Thank you, Father, for the time that we have given to this word, Lord, and that we have additional time now that we can talk about it and we can bounce ideas off of each other, that we can seek out our own salvation with fear and trembling, and we can know that your word is yes and amen. Father, you see those who aren't able to be with us this morning, the sicknesses in their body, some that are in their mind, Lord. We ask that you would move on their behalf. You would touch them where they are. Those that are going to be traveling today, be with them as they come back to us, Father, and bring us all back together again this evening at 5 o'clock. In Jesus' name, amen. Verse 18 begins, it says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and she shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. <clears throat> now that's the beginning and the birth of our Savior, uh, as we believe it. One of those things, again, we believe one of the most radical belief systems there is out there, but, but yet at the same time the only belief system that I know of that says that life begins with the creator and the creator that gave life is the only one who can give the true life that is eternal no one else understands life i know y'all probably seen that on facebook the past week buddha said this this one said this muhammad said this jesus christ said i am the way the truth and the life there is no way to the father but he is he is god he is the god man he is the Spirit of God. He is what encompasses the Trinity. We saw what we were talking about, the difference between just reading the Word of God and the prophecies of old. These individuals during this time saw God. They read about God for years. All, I mean, thousands of thousands of years and generations of people. We're looking at 14 generations, 14 generations, and 14 generations just right here in this genealogy. All these people up until the time of Christ, this prophecies, they believe this. This is, we're talking about thousands of years worth of genealogies. And this is what they believed because they had never seen it. But yet when it was right before them, they couldn't see what the truth was because of their own perception. And that's a problem that we all have as believers. It's what we think God should be. God does not care what you think. He is what he is, and it doesn't diminish him one bit if you don't understand that he's good and he's just and he's fair. He is God. Who are you to talk to God in the way or think some of the things we do? And he doesn't destroy us, which lets us know what? He loves us. And we see right here how much he loved us that he sent his son to be born of a virgin and to die on a cross, which is where eventually we'll get. 
but betrothed. This is something, I'm just being honest with you. Yes, sir. You got a question? Uh, chapter 1. Matthew 1 and, and uh, 18. This is the part that I never really realized, ever. I didn't realize that they weren't married. I assumed that all this time that Joseph and Mary are married. They're not even married. They're betrothed. They're betrothed. So they're not yet married at this time. When she, when she is, comes up with child, but here's the, the reason that I always thought that, is as you read it and you understand it, they speak as though they're already married because that's how serious a relationship was in those days. Once you became betrothed to someone, which is what I tell Ethan, because I really despise the word fiancé. It sounds trashy to me. But I like the word betrothed, so that's what I'm going to tell him. They are betrothed. This is my son's betrothed right here. I'm not going to call her a fiancé. I don't like that word. It's just a, it's in my mind. But, but, the, but betrothed is this. Whenever someone was betrothed, you entered in a contract. It's a contract before marriage that means you're, you're literally married. You're just not married in the eyes of God biblically, but you're married already. Signed, sealed, delivered, there is no backing out. You're going to see that as we go through this because you have to seek it. Once you're betrothed to someone, you can't just leave that relationship. It's not that simple. Betrothal is different than this, what we consider today. But we don't understand what true love is, what it means when you love someone and you join in a union because we don't understand love as the way it is. They're married. They were not. Yeah. That's the that's the difference. Yeah. That's the main thing. So betrothed is 34:23. It's promised to or pledged. They had promised and pledged. They were promised and pledged to one another. There was no one else. There would be no one else. There wasn't no, I'm not feeling this anymore, and then I'm going to move on to someone else. This is done. So <clears throat> these are the things that I found interesting about just that, that verse, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to, to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. Before they ever joined together, they had not had sexual relations yet. And, it's, and this fulfills... Isaiah 7, 14, it fulfills that prophecy, which I put verse 23. We can actually read it in verse 23 because it says, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. So that's the first thing that we see in there. This is prophecy fulfilled in this instance. The second thing, I never thought about this, but it it makes sense. The Holy Ghost had to sanctify the virgin womb to receive the spiritual seed. Y'all, she was born in sin. Every single person ever that's been born, with the exception of our Savior, was born in sin. Jesus Christ could not be born in sin because what does the Word of God say? He was faultless, sinless, no guile fell in his mouth, he never sinned. If he had been born the way that we're born, without a touch of the Spirit on her womb and to separate him from the original sin that was within her, there's no way that he could have been born sinless because we all were shaped in iniquity, were we not? And we were born into sin. The very fact that you are born means you are destined for hell. That's a, that's a crazy thought. But I'm born unless the Lord reaches out to me and I am gloriously saved and I am part of his fold, I am destined to hell. That's a reality, but not Jesus. And, it, and here's the thing. Yeah, that's because he was God. No, it was not. It was because of what God did for him and his mother. He deposited, this is the seed of God, everyone. This is God's seed placed into a human being. 
to be born. How highly favored was she? Greatly favored. But even though she was highly favored, she was not without sin. The Bible never ever says that Mary was without sin. Now there's religions that will tell you that. She was a sinful creature. If it wasn't for that, then Jesus could have been born. A man, a man that was born of a sinless creature could have been our Savior. Because what was God? God was sinless. The seed that you see is the seed of the Holy Ghost of God. That's what, he was, that's what Christ was birthed from, was from that seed. Okay. So if Mary had been perfect and blameless and spotless, she could have had a sinless child that could have been our Savior, but she could not. Because even she was born in original sin. Right? So that's a myth that we can... That's why going line by line and precept by precept, we can dispel that myth. That myth, that's not true. There's no reality to that. She was a sinner. She was born... It says she was shapen and she was born in iniquity. But our Savior was not. So the second... The, the Spirit of God created a barrier of holiness between Christ and that original sin that was within His mother. There had to be something there. Because what is the... It's the blood of a human being that's a sinner and the seed of the Spirit. So if he's fully man, then why is he not fully sin? Why did he not have sin like we did? Because of the Spirit of God. That's the only way. Her womb was sanctified and made holy by the Spirit of God, and the seed was deposited there, and he was kept from that. That that's the only that's the that's the truth. Now that's not what the that's not what they will tell you in other denominations. But that is the reality of this thing. So then in verse 19, it continues on and says, And Joseph, her husband, listen at this, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. Now, there's not very many people who are considered righteous in the Word of God. We know Noah was. We can look at, the Hebrew, at Hebrews 11 and we can see, but y'all, he doesn't call very many people righteous. This man was found righteous. Let's see, righteous. So by husband, that's 435 in the Greek, one who is pledged to be through the promise of betrothal. So his pledge was there. They were, like Brother Scott had said, they were basically married with the exception of they had not commemorated their marriage. They haven't laid with one another. He was a righteous man, 1342. He was innocent and just in the sight of God. How you and I are, if we're truly saved this morning, we are righteous. We are the, but we are the righteousness of who? Of God. We're the righteousness of God. We are not righteous. We are righteous. We are the righteousness of God through the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ, because you and I have been cleansed and washed by the blood. We're not righteous in and of ourselves. What? But, but He can say that He was righteous. He was innocent in His sight. That's an amazing statement. I mean, seriously, there's not very many times that you're going to find that in the Word. The Lord says that, that the person was righteous. But there's not very many of them, guys. So then, the, the last part, he was a righteous man, and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. Now, there's, there's two main ways that you divorced someone in the Old Testament. This is pretty interesting. I did not know this. And to divorce was to dismiss, release, or to set someone free from their marriage, of course. So he could have given, he could either give her a bill of divorce before witnesses. This was two to three witnesses, but this was like doing it privately. Then other than that, not publicly. Publicly, you did it before a magistrate, just like a justice of the peace or something during that time. You went before a magistrate and you said, okay, this is what's happened. This is what's happened. I want a bill of divorce and you could get one. 
Okay, that's the two nice ways. He was choosing the nicest of the two, which would have been privily meant privately. I'm gonna, we're going to privately go together with a couple witnesses, and I'm going to do this to where I can annul this marriage and set her free, and she can go on, because I don't want to disgrace her. He was an innocent, just man, right? He was not vindictive. Although this had happened, he still he didn't want to ruin her. He didn't want to ruin her life. He loved her, yes. True love, agape love. Then we see the second thing. Here is what in Deuteronomy 22, 23 through 24, um, you had a person examined. Now this is, I did not know this exactly how it worked, but there was a group of people that I guess I'm assuming they were priests. It doesn't exactly say, and I didn't search deeper into it, but that's who it would have been, that whenever you thought that someone had stepped out on you like this, you brought them to these individuals, and they were like gynecologists of the day. They examined this woman, and they decided, based upon their examination, was the sexual act consensual, which you know as well as I do from watching the shows. You can tell if it was consensual or it was rape. And if they proved that it was rape, then it was okay. That There was a cleansing. You had to go through a cleansing. But if they proved that it was consensual, then you were stoned to death. And that was law. So he could have, in this instance, he could have said, no, what I want to do is I want to have you examined. Now, once they examined her, what would they have found? Which would have been quite amazing. They would have found that this woman was a virgin, and then that would have answered a whole lot of more questions. Now, listen why I'm telling you this, because I never thought about that. They would have examined her, and they would have found a woman pregnant with a child, with a child that had never had sexual intercourse. Because these people... But they still would have lied about it. Would they not have? It would have been further proof that this was the Messiah, backing up Isaiah 7 and 14, but God withheld that from them. And why did he do that? That's the kind of things that I think about. That would have, You think about that for a minute. That is a, that is a reality that God could have said in the heart of Joseph, you have her examined. When she was examined... These, these Jews, they would have had to have come up with the idea that, oh my gosh. But what do we see multiple times whenever they knew, they knew that Jesus Christ was his Messiah later on, and they set about to kill him. They, they knew who he was, and they said, we have got to do something with this guy. So this would have been no different. But that's a reality. That's one of those things that could have happened. And there would have been more proof. So that would have just heaped more on top of God loved his chosen people, the Jews, so much that he even kept that from them. That's how I believe. Because that would have been another sin that was laid on them. They're already going to kill this Savior. But what, would, what if they had really realized that this was a virgin birth? Then they would have had to have gone against their own, the word in Isaiah 2, which is Isaiah 7, 14, which is a, that's just another layer. That's why there's so many layers to this word. If you study it, you're going to find things you never saw before. So he puts her away. He wants to put her away privately. He's going to do the right thing, which is what you should do. It'd be like today, I, I'm going to divorce my wife, but I'm not going to go and put it on every social media account and print out signs and put it on a billboard. I mean, there's a way to go about doing things. We don't have to put everything out there, guys. You know, some things are private. Some things is just between us and another person or us. and But that's not how, the way the world is. That's the way mostly unsaved people and people who are saved and do those things need to check themselves because we're not to be vindictive. There's a difference there. When we do things like that, that's done in malice. And I want you to do a search of malice and find how those people who have that don't inherit the kingdom of God. 
It's a very bad characteristic to have, is to be malicious, have malicious intent. So then we move into verse 19. But when he had considered this, when he had considered putting her away, you know, he's pondering this. And I can see that, right? I mean, if I had, if I was betrothed to my wife and all of a sudden she's pregnant with some, with a child, I'm going to be like, ooh, we might need to have a conversation because I have never had sex with my wife, but she's, what, what's happening there? You're bloated? No, she's pregnant. <laughs> That's a problem, you know? That's a really big problem. So then he says, but when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, listen what he calls him, son of David. This is of the kingly lineage. Who Jesus was also called the son of David. This is another way that you can look at it and say, this angel that's sent from God is calling him the son of David. Why, would, why was he able to be Jesus' father? Why should we not look at him as Jesus' stepfather as people do? That is wrong if you're doing that. He was his father because he could be his father. Because he was of a kingly lineage. He was his dad in every respect. Then he goes on to say, he says, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Well, that had to be a lot to, to, I, to wrap my mind around that now is crazy, but in that day and time for him to say, say, what do you mean? The Holy Spirit. But exactly what does that mean? So to, twate, to take is to marry and dwell with. Take her, marry her, dwell with her. I understand that she's pregnant. And verse 24 says, And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife. He was obedient. Why was he a just man? Why was he innocent? First, he was innocent. He wasn't malicious. He didn't want to hurt her. He loved this woman. He didn't want to hurt her. He would just put her away privately. But also, he was righteous because he did what he was told. I mean, how much trust do you have to have? If someone came, if someone came to me and said, Hey, she, that baby is, it may not be yours, but it's not anybody else's either because she's a virgin. I've got to trust and believe in that. I'll be honest with you, I'd have a few issues with it. I mean, I, that's, he, was a, he was a just man and righteous because of his actions after. No different for you and I. It's not enough just to say I believe and then not be a, be a hearer and not a doer, James chapter 1. There's something that backs up the fact that you are what you say you are. Mm-hmm. Once, once he realized, okay, she's telling the truth, then, then he, he did what he needed to do. That, that's to say that we shouldn't take everybody yeah. at, at their at word. word. Right? We need to, what the Bible says, is to, to search it, to seek it out, mm-hmm. to establish it, to discern it. Yeah. That's, what, that's what Joseph was doing. He, he was trying to discern what was the right thing to do. And, and in his mind, as a righteous man, well, I don't want to kill anybody yeah. over this. Yeah. But I also can't marry her, right? Because then he would be unrighteous. In, his, in Jewish law, yeah. he, he, would be, he would be in the wrong. But then when God said it, he went, oh, <laughs> yeah. okay. Yeah. And he, he, it's pure then, it's clean, it's good, it's fine. So yeah. he did a shotgun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so then in, <clears throat> excuse me. So as his wife, the last thing that we saw in there says, take her as your wife, your companion to bring in your home. 
That was, that was one of the things is she was not in, living in his home with him. They were betrothed to one another, but, but they weren't living together, which is the way that it should be up to this day. You should live separate with, from another person up until the time you're married. That's what the Bible says, but that's not the norm. But that's what was happening right here. So then we move on to verse 21. He says, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will, he will save his people from their sins. So this is another instance where he's being told what to do, and we see in the very end that he is, he is obedient. But who did the angel instruct to name the child? The, the father. That's... It wasn't the mother. I'm not saying that she doesn't know and she's not going to, she's going to hear from her own angel. We all know that. But I'm saying, but in this instance, and when you read down, he called his name Jesus in the last verse. It was the father who named him. His father that, that there are many religions say was not even his father. It's ridiculous. That's, that's a lot of this falsity that's out there. It's, it's damnable heresies. It's things that's brought in that try to, Try to make the word of God not true. Say that it's not true. No, that is true. It is exactly what it says. So Jesus, 24, 24 in the Greek, is transliterated from Hebrew as Yahweh saves. And we know Acts 4 and 12, there's what? There's no other name under heaven which by men shall be saved. No other name except for the name of Jesus. And please, um, don't get caught up in the Yeshua and the Hosea and the da 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 that is ridiculous. There is people who will tell you that if you don't use the name Yeshua every time you talk about Jesus, then you're not even praying. They there are people right now that believe because we use the name Jesus, we don't even worship Jesus Christ. Because if you don't use his name from four thousand years ago, then you're not worshiping Jesus. You're you're worshiping someone else. But they're so ignorant of the word and the reality of it that they don't know that if we went back and took the Bible that's on the pulpit, up there by the pulpit, y'all, we can't even read Old English. It's impossible. So yes, it's changed. But the same way, Joseph, Joseph, Jesus, there's roots of things. Who was, the, who was the savior of the people at that time? Joseph. He saved the people because they would have all died. But God sent him and did the things it's root names, but this name, Jesus, in this instance, that's what it means. Yahweh saves. Because what did it say right there? He will save his people from what? From their sins. Do you think that Jesus Christ, who saved you gloriously, washed you, doesn't know that you're calling out to his name? That's ridiculous. But I'm telling you, there's a whole line out there. Get on YouTube and look at it. And they will tell you, if you don't use the name some say Yeshua because that's the closest, but others say if you don't use the name Hosea, there's a whole other one. If you're not using that one, that you're not even talking to the real Jesus. Are you kidding me? That's, that's how you can put my Jesus in a box like that. My Savior. No, you're, that's ridiculous. It makes no sense. Well, just in, just in the passage you read, you get two different names for the same person. Yeah. So is he or is he That's the thing. He's both. He's so many things. John chapter 1. I'm going to flip there right quick. Right quick. John chapter 1 verse 12 and 13. We find, um, we find an explanation to what was said by the angel. Who he is, his name, and what he's going to do. I love this because it said, But as many as received him, that is Jesus, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name 
who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So who is he going to save? He's going to save those who believe on his name. Those not only that received him, look at, look at in John chapter 6, we could go there, but we don't have the time today. But how many people received Jesus? They're like, this is awesome. And they followed him and he fed them and he fed them. And they were there for the wrong reason. Which is why a lot of people go to church and you wonder why there are seasons where you have a lot of people. And then all of a sudden you get down to that, that, D, that DTR, that define the relationship moment. Because Jesus has that with every single person. The Lord, he pushes you to that point. Well, let's define our relationship. And all of a sudden you realize the relationship that I have with you is not even based on me truly believing in you. It's on all the things that I'm getting from the church physically. The support that I get, all those things. And then something happens and one thing doesn't go your way and all of a sudden it never was about Jesus and you're gone. That's just a reality, sadly. So his people, Isaiah 53, 11. <clears throat> Let's go there because we're going to look at his people. This is, uh, to me, is an amazing thing because we've talked about the doctrine of election. It, the way that it said it is, he is going to save I'm going to go back in there. He will, he will save his people from their sins. He did not say all people. Did he say all people? He said his people. Who are his people? Well, everyone that the Father gave to him. We know that, right? That's going to be John where we're going to go next. We know that's a reality. Isaiah 53 and 11 says this, As a result of the anguish of his soul, he will see it and be satisfied. By his knowledge, the righteous one, my servant, will justify the many and he will bear the iniquities. He will bear their iniquities. So what do we see? That's a reality right there. In John 6 and 37, he also tells them that what? Those that my father give to me, what's going to happen? I will not turn them out otherwise. Let's see, 6 and 37. All that the father give me will come to me, and the ones who come to me I will certainly not cast out. This is his people, the ones who the father gives to him. Do you see that? Now we're just finding more doctrine. Titus 2 and 11. Just more, more to back up the realities, the things that we are finding and that we are teaching and preaching in the Word, there's more and more truth that backs that up as you understand what it's actually trying to tell you. Titus 2 and 11 says this, For this reason I endure all things for the sake of those who are chosen. Do you see that? Paul's saying he didn't say for the sake of everybody. He said for the sake of those who are chosen. Okay, so that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus and with it eternal glory. Why does he continue to teach the gospel? Why does he preach? Why does he do what he's doing? Because there are chosen out there and he's going to reach them with the word of God. He says, I keep doing this because they're still chosen out there. And when they hear it, they're going to believe on him. They're going to trust in him and they're going to be saved. It said, it is a trustworthy statement, for if we die with him, we also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Is that a reality? Remind them of these things and solemnly charge them in the presence of God not to wrangle about words, which is useless and leads to ruin of the hearers. Remember what he said right there. For this reason I endure all things for the sake of those who are chosen so that they may also obtain the salvation. But, but you said they're chosen and they're not saved yet. That's exactly why we continue to teach and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ because that's what that is. It's effectual. 
evangelism goes out. Those who are the chosen of God hear, they receive, they believe, and they're gloriously saved. If they never hear, how can they be saved? That's a whole other thing we could get into, but do you see it in the Word of God? I never understood that before. First Peter it gives us another glimpse into the same thing. First Peter 1 and 2. First Peter 1, 1 and 2. This is our reality, believers. Whether we understand it or not yet, you need to seek these verses out and understand what they say. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to those who reside as aliens, scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who are chosen. You're aliens, but you are chosen. He, he's specific yet again. According to the foreknowledge of God the Father, you were chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father by the sanctifying work of the Spirit, the same sanctifying work of the Spirit that sanctified the womb of our Savior and placed the seed of God in there to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with His blood. May grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. Do You see, this is all tying back into this reality, this reality of a perfect seed that was placed inside the foreknowledge of, of God the Father that when that seed was birthed and that seed is incorruptible and it's perfect and now it's going to be placed in you through what? Through the Holy Ghost, through the Spirit of God, you now have an incorruptible seed that's inside of you. Are you a corruptible vessel? Yeah, so was Mary. Mary was a corruptible vessel. What keeps you saved? What kept Jesus Christ the way he was? It was the Spirit of God. You've been built up a habitation for the Most High God. You are a temple for God. What is inside of you is what makes you holy. It's what separates that holiness is separated from the sin, the original sin and the, the residual sin that's in your body. That's why it can reside there. Because I've had so many people say, well, how can sin and how can the two remain? Because it's perfect. The same way that the seed of God, Jesus Christ, stayed in his mother who was a sinner. The same thing for you and I. There's no difference. That, that may not excite you. Yo, that's an amazing revelation that I never had because I studied about Jesus Christ being conceived by the Spirit of God. Things that we didn't know years ago, and this is true. This is our reality. We'll finish up in Matthew, and then we'll go to the service. While you're turning there, just to back up what you said, uh, Luke's account, Matthew is, is focused on Joseph, Luke's focused on Mary. And in her her greeting from the angel, it says, uh, And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. And when you look up that favored one, it's the, it's transliterated, uh, filled with grace. And it cites Ephesians 1.6. So was Mary different from us? No, she's filled with grace the same way we are in her salvation. Because in Ephesians 1.6, it says, the praise, uh, To the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. Amen. It's, it's unmerited favor. Yep. Why was Mary favored by God? Because He bestowed grace on her, on her, and in her, and in her. So she was, she was first sanctified, saved, clean, a vessel worthy, mm -hmm. and then the Spirit conceived. Deposited. Same thing happens with us. We're we're unfit vessels, made worthy through the sanctification of the Spirit. I can't house God's Spirit until I've been cleansed. I can't be cleansed until grace has been bestowed on me because I can't do that in myself. That's amazing. But that's reciprocal. Yes. That's so, 
So the last the last verses it says in 24, and Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife. But he kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son and he called his name Jesus. So he did not he did not lay with his wife until Christ was born. That was her firstborn child of a virgin. She stayed a virgin until the time she delivered because what does the word say? He will be born of a virgin. And she was right up until the minute that she had had Christ. That is amazing. So thank you guys for your attentiveness. And uh, next week we'll pick up starting in chapter 2 of Matthew. You've been listening to the Learning Curve podcast brought to you by Abundant Grace Church here in DeVille, Louisiana. Uh, we invite you to look at our webpage. It is www.abundantgracechurchonline.com. Uh, there you can find all the different ways that you can uh, be in contact with us. Thank you.